again, once again. We got kids in the room? All right, this story is for you. Christmas, circa 1997. I'm 10 years old. Someone loved 1997. All right, party like it's 97. 10 years old, I wanted a green Game Boy. But I also wanted a Donkey Kong Country. Okay? Here they are. Or no, Donkey Kong Land. I, I had country. Too. There's a bunch of them. This is the, but these were the ones, because I remember the colors. Etched in my memory, all right? If you don't know what this is, kids, it's a little video game that doesn't have color on it. We weren't that advanced yet. But um, here's what happened. I went to Grandma's, like we always do. Grandma was just up the hill, okay? I mean, we, we walked to Grandma's house, and I was pumped. Because I'm like, I'm getting the Game Boy this year. It's going to be awesome. You know, I am ready. Let's go. Let's get to the presents, right? We eat. And then, come on, let's just get to the presents. We get to the presents. I opened my first present. And you know what it was? It was just that cartridge. And I threw a fit. Now, my parents probably would tell you an even worse story that it was actually worse than I'm even painting right now. But I remember throwing a fit and kids don't do that. Okay. You need to be grateful for whatever you get. Don't follow my 10 year old example, but that's what I got. And I'm freaking out. Cause I'm like, I don't have a game boy to play it. I can't do anything with this cartridge. Okay. Cartridges are, are kind of like discs. You probably don't even have those to play them anymore, but I don't know. Look it up. You, you find it online. Uh, but I, I'm just throwing a fit. I don't have a game boy. And of course the next gift is what? The Game Boy. Now, I kind of blame my parents. They, they put it in the wrong order, you know. But, you know, it, no, it was all on me. I shouldn't have thrown a fit about it. But that's life. Life gets all mixed up, out of turn. On a little more serious note, Robert, who just shared with you, he, he didn't share this part. This is incredible, you guys. So he actually went to this church, or it was Boone Biblical Memorial Church, who gave us this, this building and this land. He went here as a child. Someone picked him up and brought him to church weekly. And so what's cool is you heard the mix of struggles and hardship in Robert's life, and now here he is in the same spot, worshiping Jesus today. It's, it's incredible, but yeah, 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 yeah. So God, God does this, though. This is, this is how God works. Okay, it's this weird mix of things in our lives in weird orders and really mysterious. And we're like, what is going on sometimes? And then other times it's like, wow, God is really doing something cool. But then he weaves all of it together into something beautiful. And that's what we see in the Christmas story as well. So if you'll read with me, it's on the screen. Luke chapter two, verse one. First, we're going to see God moving in a mysterious, strange way. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governor, governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There's no room in the inn. So let me give you some backdrop. And I want you to pay attention because I think for a lot of you, this story is pretty familiar. 
So I want you to pay attention. I want you to look at it with fresh eyes with me. The backdrop here is that Mary and Joseph, both, we learn from Matthew and the book of Luke, both got told by an angel that Mary is going to have a son and he's going to be the savior of the world. He's going to be the Messiah. So Mary and Joseph certainly would have expected the birth of the son of God, of God himself, to go way easier than we just read it did. I don't know if you caught that. That was, that was anything but easy. Mary and Joseph went through a lot of hardship. They probably expected quite the opposite, though. They, they probably expected a smooth pregnancy. Light, right, mothers out there with, without the morning sickness, any of that. They probably expected the, the smooth pregnancy and the red carpet to be rolled out and, and the birth was going to be amazing and, and not dirty or anything. Like it was just going to be incredible. But they get quite the opposite. So what happens? Well, first, we see in this text that Rome does what Rome often did. At that time, which was make life difficult for people, and they had to go for a census to their hometown. Now, Mary and Joseph had to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem. They lived in Nazareth, but Joseph was from Bethlehem. Bethlehem was 90 miles from Nazareth. You might be thinking, well, so 90 miles, just hop in your car, won't take long at all. No cars. On top of that, they had to walk. You often see in nativity sets and, and, and in Christmas stories, Mary riding on a donkey. We don't even know that. She could have been walking that whole thing. Most likely she was. They were poor. We get cues from this text, which you'll see later, that they were pretty poor. Now, 90 miles would take the average person 20 miles a day, so about four and a half days. But here's the catch. Mary is nine months pregnant which means they're probably going more like 10 miles a day and it's taking them nine days. Now, mothers, imagine that. I, I don't have no context for this, but can you imagine nine days straight while you're nine months pregnant walking? This is what happened. This is the crazy, chaotic, mysterious plan of God. And I would be thinking if I was Mary and Joseph, what kind of plan is this, God? Mysterious seems almost too kind of a word. But it gets worse. Verse 6, of course, while they're far away from home, baby's ready. Okay? Maybe some of you have experienced. I actually know some of you have experienced that. You're far from home. And imagine you're nine days away, a nine-day walk away from home, and you're having a baby. But verse 7 By the way, you're staying in a barn, not a hospital. Okay, it's not just that you don't get the doctor, the OBGYN, that you were hoping to have deliver your baby. No, there's no hospitals at the time. You're in a barn, not even in a hotel room. And it's not like it's it's not like you're going to the nearest hospital. No such thing. It's just you, Joseph Barn, But here, I, I even misspoke. Interestingly enough, we don't actually even know what structure they were in. Okay, nativity scenes have the stable. All we know is that they laid him in a manger. And we have a replica of what it might have looked like. Probably looked a little rougher than this because a manger is a feeding trough for livestock. 
And that is where he was laid. So this could have been in a cave, in a barn, in a house, perhaps, poorer homes, because they didn't have a stable or a barn. The, the animals and livestock would live in the house with the people. They could have just been taken in by someone who was more on the poor side, who had animals there, and we don't have a, a crib for you. Here's a, here's a manger. This is, this is the chaos that's going on. The point is here. They were in a really bad spot, a bad position to have a child. Now, let me move forward a little bit. Here we see God working in a mysterious way, but I'm sure in the past year and a half in your life, God has worked in some strange, mysterious ways that you may not have even figured out yet what he was doing. He certainly has here at Stonebridge Church. We had church online for a while. My mind had no context for that before it happened. Church, sitting at home, what, what is that? And then when we started to meet again, there was a massive attendance drop. It didn't, it didn't feel the same way here. People got out of rhythm with church, with life in general. We all, we all experienced this thing called the pandemic together. And God was doing something mysterious. And I'm sure at times you were asking God, what are you doing? But this is God. He moves in mysterious ways, but God also moves in spectacular ways. And that's the other part of this story. So let's continue in Luke 2, verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Then the angels had left them and returned to heaven. And the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Don't miss the spectacle here. Don't miss how incredible this is, especially if you're super familiar with the Christmas story. This is an out of nowhere spectacle that could only be made possible that would only be made possible by the creator of the universe don't miss this okay verse 8 shepherds are watching their flocks at night now here's what would happen with shepherds at the time some of them would take shifts sleeping while the rest of them would not just be laying there okay up against a tree half asleep keeping watch on the sheep no these guys are keeping watch for people who would often come and steal sheep. Okay, shepherds had to keep watch for wolves, bears, anything that would come and attack. And they loved to attack at night. And there were usual, usually casualties during the night. This was shepherding at the time. So these guys aren't just sitting there half asleep. They're vigilant. They're looking around, ready to go. And what happens out of nowhere? Imagine, imagine yourself as a shepherd, and you're super vigilant. You're looking around, if you're a good shepherd anyway. You're doing a great job. You're looking around, and bam, right before you is an angel. And you can't even see the light is so bright. 
This is what happens here. The glory of the Lord shone around them. Let me read verse 9 again with that in mind. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Of course they were. Let me show you why they were terrified. This is a bright, shining angel. Bam, right there in front of you, clear as day, in the middle of the night. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. Now, let me give you some context of the glory of the Lord shining around someone. In college, we would do a prank, okay? And I don't condone this, but um, we did it, all right? So we took flashlights. If you can get two big mag lights, it's even better. And then uh, a foghorn or or one of those... um, You know, those horns you can buy from the store, those air horns. And if someone was sleeping, we could sneak into their dorm room or maybe it's a roommate or whatever. And someone, it was was awesome, okay? Someone would wake them up and right as they're kind of coming to, someone would take the flashlights and go right over their head. And the other person would have the fog horn and go, and so it feels like you're getting run over by a semi. Or whatever is going on in your head. It's best if they're in deep sleep, you know, and having a bad dream. And then you add that to it. It's, it's a terrible prank. Don't do it, kids. But it was hilarious. But here's why I share this, you guys. This is the type of experience that this, these shepherds had. When the glory of the Lord, the essence of God himself shows up, you're jolted awake. And kids, kids in the room, I know you've done this to yourself and to your, to your parents probably. You take a flashlight and you shine it in your eyes, okay? Again, don't do that. I'm giving kids lots of great ideas tonight. Um, but you've done it, and, and you just can't see, and you're like that. But on top of that, imagine that flashlight also is emitting intense heat, like a, like a huge bonfire. That is getting close to what we're talking about here. The glory of the Lord shining around them. Now we understand why they're terrified, right? Anyone would be. In verse 10, an angel brings a message from God, which is crazy in and of itself. He's got a message from God. You're just out here watching sheep, looking for wolves, and here's this crazy light, and you can barely see, and you are, you are really afraid, and you're like, what is going to happen Yeah, I've got a message from God. Okay, but he says, I've got a message that's good. You'd probably be thinking, okay, great. I'm not in trouble with God, right? It's a good message. Great, but not just a good message. It says one that's full of a ton of joy. You're a shepherd. Shepherds were the lowest of the low in society at the time. Life was probably not very good for you. And this angel is bringing a message from God that is good, that will bring joy, bring your heart's longing. You probably don't have much joy in your life right now. But not just a good message, and not just a good message of great joy, but it's for you and for everyone, for all people. Verse 11, the message is this, that the promised Messiah, Messiah, the Savior of the world, who is the Lord God, is here. He has come. He's not just here, though. It's even more spectacular. He was just born as a baby. Verses 13 and 14, to top it all off, 
instantaneously, it says, a ton of angels appear and they all praise God together for this incredible news of great joy for all people. And it says it's an angel host. A host of angels is an army. Okay? Imagine on top of that incredible light and this angel giving you a message of God, a big old angel army comes with their AK-47s or whatever they had. They're an army, but ironically, this army praises God and gives you not news that an army usually brings, which is you're going to get it. No, they bring a message of peace. This is a crazy night for these shepherds. God works in spectacular, incredible ways. And this is an incredible example of that. And he does this in our own life as well. Here at Stonebridge, if if you're not here regularly, we invite you. We would love to have you part of this family. But, you know, the last six months or so, we've seen some incredible stories of people's lives being changed and then being baptized right here. Robert's life, he shared about it tonight. Nothing short of a miracle. It's feeling more and more like family than ever before in the life of our church. God is up to something and he's not done yet. And I can't wait to see how he weaves all of this mystery and this spectacular stuff together into something beautiful. And he's doing it right now. But I'm sure you could share stories as well about how God has moved in spectacular, incredible ways in your life too. But let's see in this story, God brings the mystery and weaves it together with the spectacular. Luke 2, 16. The shepherds, they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing them, They reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. So what a a mysteriously spectacular scene for the shepherds. Everything was just as they had been told, it says in verse 20, which is incredible. Undoubtedly, this is an act of God like they had never seen and would not see again in their lifetimes. Yet, when the shepherds probably stopped to think about this later, like the next day, they would have been like, whoa, that was weird. The Savior was born into poverty and laying in an animal trough. That's what we just saw. He's the king. That wasn't a birth fit for a king. Mystery. Spectacle. And what a mysteriously spectacular scene for Mary and Joseph. It was mysterious because, like I pointed out, everything was seemingly going wrong leading up to the birth. But then you have these shepherds show up. And they're sent by God himself to worship your newborn baby. God's mysterious ways meet his spectacular ways and bring beautiful things. This is what God does. He brings beauty from ashes and he weaves it all together. We may not see the beauty until eternity sometimes. But he's still doing it. I'm not here tonight to make human sense 
out of the working of God. After all, he is God, right? He sits outside of time and has a perfect perspective. And we are in time with a pretty narrow perspective. On top of that, we live in a world that's drenched in the effects of sin and sinful humans. But God is weaving together the mysterious with the spectacular to make beautiful things for his glory and for our good. So I want to end by sharing the story of a British hymn writer in the 1700s named William Cowper. Jeff Robinson tells a bit of his, tes- or of his biography of William Cowper. It's on the screen. As he progressed, William Cowper, as he progressed into adulthood, things grew appreciably worse. In 1763, he was offered a position as a clerk of journals in the House of Lords, but the specter of the job examination sent him off the rails. He experienced grinding depression that bordered on insanity. Three times he attempted suicide and was sent to an asylum for recovery. The asylum turned out to be a place of grace for Cowper. Dr. Nathaniel Cotton, an evangelical believer, cared for Cowper and showed him the love of Christ. One day at the hospital, Cowper found a Bible and opened it. The pages fell, fell upon Romans 3.25. God opened Cowper's blind spiritual eyes that day, and he was converted to a saving hope in Jesus Christ. Salvation changed his heart but not his propensity for melancholy. Keep that in mind as we read this next part. When you come to know Christ, as Robert shared earlier, life still is hard, but he is with you. So we are going to hear about his struggle. In 1767, two years after leaving the asylum, Cowper met the slave trader turned preacher, John Newton, author of Amazing Grace, and curate of the church at Olney. Newton mentored Cowper. He encouraged Cowper and ministered to him. There were numerous additional suicide attempts as the viper of melancholy gripped the poet every so often. But Cowper wrote, God moves in 1773 at the request of Newton. I share this story with you because that is life. It's a mix of struggle and of joy. It's a mix of happiness and depression sometimes, even suicide attempts. It's got mystery, but from the mystery and from the spectacular, God brings something beautiful and he did it in Cowper's life when he wrote this hymn called God Moves in a Mysterious Way. And I want to share a portion of it with you. He wrote, judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Leave this up for a second. I just want you to take a few seconds and meditate on this. Think about this. Mull it over.
the rest of this hymn is gold as well. But listen, even when it doesn't seem like it, and even when it doesn't feel like it, God is bringing beauty out of the ashes. He is bringing a sweet flower out of a bitter bud in your life. Whether God's doing something strange and mysterious and difficult right now in your life or something spectacular or a mix of both, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus is with you. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with you, understands you and understands the mystery that you're facing in life right now. Because Jesus has been there. Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, pleading with the Lord, can you just take this cup from me? I don't want to go to the cross. He's about to be crucified and he knows it and he doesn't want to do it. He's facing mystery. And ends up being crucified. See Jesus has been there as well. And he's with you. But Jesus Emmanuel also understands the spectacular works of God you're experiencing. He also rose from the dead and conquered death and evil. Whatever you're going through this Christmas. Jesus gets it. And he gets you. And he loves you more than you can imagine. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Let's pray. Jesus.